Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for another spoiler-free movie review. We are here to talk about that Nicolas Cage movie. No one knows the name of it. They literally just call it that Nicolas Cage movie, otherwise known as The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, a.k.a. that Nicolas Cage movie. Um, it's just got released it's got Nicolas Cage in it funnily enough because it's that Nicolas Cage movie it's got Pedro Pascal in it it's got Demi Moore in it um blinking you miss her I'm glad I finally looked at the cast this morning because I literally goes was that Demi Moore in one section of the movie and it is so um there you go and this is going to be an interesting one to talk about my name is Ben fucking <laughs> woo Cage <laughs> And my name is Colin, and Nick Cage smooches good. <laughs> I'm glad we all can elaborate on that. Um, <laughs> that Nicolas Cage movie, Colin, uh, literally everybody who asked me, what movie are you seeing on the weekend? I said, that Nicolas Cage movie. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, I want to see that. I don't think anyone knows the title of this movie. So um, <laughs> what did you think of that Nicolas Cage movie? Uh, you know, I, I didn't want to go in with too high expectations. I mean, we're both big Nicolas Cage fans, and it seemed like a clever premise. It's got Pedro Pascal. So, I mean, you're going to have high expectations regardless. Uh, and I think for the most part, it, it wasn't quite as innovative as I thought it would be. It's not like the most unique movie ever made, but it so perfectly fits with what they are paying tribute to with Nicolas Cage. I mean, this is the type of movie he would have made in the late 90s, early 2000s. You know, it's formulaic, it's generic at parts, but it's also really clever and funny. And it, it, it kind of pays tribute to him in a way where, if you love Nicolas Cage and his over-the-top style, you'll probably love a lot of this movie. If you hate Nicolas Cage and his over-the-top style, you'll probably love a lot of this movie. So <laughs> it, it was well executed for both Nicolas Cage lovers and haters. You know, not necessarily like something that's going to, you know, be groundbreaking. This isn't like the Michelle Yo movie that's out right now, uh, where it's, oh, I've never seen anything like that before. But but for what it is, you know, it's exactly, I think, what you would expect from Nicolas Cage kind of returning to form. Yeah, I'm glad we're doing this like a couple of days after I've seen it a little bit further for you because like I kind of left it going like, I don't know how I feel. Like I, I didn't dislike it. Um, I definitely enjoyed it, but it was just, I don't know if I was expecting more, more, more Nicholas. <laughs> um, like it just, it just something about it. Maybe I did go into it with a bit more expectations because I just kind of left it going like, eh, well, like that was fine. Um, and I mean, it was fun. Like Nicholas Cage is on point. Pedro Pascal's brilliant in it. Um, but it was just... You sort of say formulaic, like, I guess the bad guy the moment we met him. I straight away, as soon as we met that guy, I'm like, yeah, he's totally the bad guy. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah. it's like, it's kind of one of those ones where you just sort of guess things along the way. And it, 
like to me it was yeah there was a lot of like let's go over the top with some Nicolas Cage stuff but I I thought there was going to be more of it like it kind of I literally Mm -hmm. came out of it going like okay so they did this and this and this with Nicolas Cage but I'm like is that really necessary that Nicolas Cage plays Nicolas Cage like I kind of feel like Nicolas Cage could play Frank (laughs) and it kind of just it's going to be the same movie like it I felt there was going to be more of it like it's kind of like I, it's a weird comparison, but it's another actor playing themselves. The TV show episodes, like, I mean, to me, that was like perfectly executed with just Matt LeBlanc just being this completely ridiculous version of himself. Um, that they just played up to that so much. Whereas this, it was like, yeah, okay, Nicolas Cage is this completely different version of himself, we hope. But there was just so many parts of this movie where you, I kind of forgot that Nicolas Cage was being Nicolas Cage. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. this is Frank, you know. So that that was my, like, big gripe about it. I didn't think they went as far. Like, they didn't go as full Nicolas Cage as they could have. But there was some stuff, like, in this movie, like, that is just, like, hilarious. Like, I mean, you mentioned the Wicker Man. You sort of alluded to that on our Patreon episode. Sign <laughs> up to our Patreon and you can hear about that. And there were some other moments with it too. And the Demi Moore cameo, which Colin obviously loved. Um, but, like, I mean, it's it's it was an enjoyable movie, but it just maybe wasn't what I was expecting it to be. Yeah, I think a lot of it might come down to Nicolas Cage himself because, I mean, he's uh, he's been publicly speaking about this movie saying that he was very hesitant to do it. And I don't know if you caught it, but he was on Jimmy Kimmel last week. And uh, just to kind of put in perspective, like, how long Nicolas Cage has been out of, like, the A-list status – he said on Jimmy Kimmel, it has been 14 years since he's done a talk show. And hmm. I mean, this isn't because nobody's asking him, you know, it, 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 well, it is because nobody's asking him, I'm guessing. Uh, it's not that he's so reclusive. He's like, no, no, I don't do that anymore. You know, I'm above it. My art is what I go for now. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, he, he touched on that a little bit about how he didn't want to do this movie and how even when making it, he was like, it's very intimidating to play yourself because like when you're an actor, you look for how you can become a character. And to just be yourself, you're like, well, how much of this am I bringing my real self to? How much of this is fictional? And the director really has to talk them into it. Uh, I feel like this movie, if Nicolas Cage had been gung-ho saying, yeah, I'm Nick Cage, you know, I'm Nick Cage. (laughs) And he just was like, oh, I absolutely want to play myself. We probably would have gotten more of what you and I might have been looking for. But uh, one funny story he told on Kimmel was uh, in the middle of filming he talked to Pedro Pascal. He's like, so the, like talking about the director. He's like, so what do you think about him? And he's like, Pedro Pascal's like, I'm pretty sure that I'm playing him in this movie. Like, I think he might be <laughs> obsessed with you because only somebody who's like truly, truly, uh, uh, you know, top level Nicolas Cage fan is going to have as many references as he threw in this movie. But then you're like, if he knows Nicolas Cage this much, I bet you he wanted to make this a 100% Nicolas Cage tribute movie. And Nick Cage is like, no, I'm not interested in just playing myself. He's like, well, what if I make it like a buddy comedy and a little bit of action in there and, and some some spy stuff? And he's like, all right, sign me up now. It, we probably would have gotten a very different version of this movie if the director had his way and it could have been a complete love letter to Nicolas Cage. But like you said, I mean, sometimes when you're, you're not quite as conscious of he's playing Nicolas Cage, he's playing Frank. Uh, so those are some of the best scenes of the movie. Like uh, the, the, the one... The, the one where they're climbing the wall, <laughs> that yeah. scene, like I was almost in tears for that scene. You know, there's other ones where it becomes kind of generic action comedy where like this could have been anybody, but still, it's still such a pleasure just to see Nicolas Cage, even just get a movie like this that is worthy of being released theatrically. This isn't going to be straight to Blu-ray and straight to Netflix and everybody laughs at it. And uh, one thing that I actually really did love though is like I said, how it's, if you're a Nicolas Cage fan, you'll love this. You're not a Nicolas Cage fan. You'll still love this movie. Like this movie goes out its way to address some of the problems with Nicolas Cage's recent career, you know, and and probably address it in an honest way. You know, 
you're overexposed. You're only doing things for money. And he's like, I got to pay my bills, you know? Uh, so credit to Nicolas Cage for taking a movie where he's not necessarily just doing a love letter. This isn't the Ben Waterworth, you know, story <laughs> where it's a vanity project all about how much Ben Waterworth loves Ben Waterworth. This is Nicolas Cage saying, I will address the good and the bad of myself and I'll address the fact that people don't like me. The unbearable weight of massive talent too, starring Ben Waterworth. I'm on board. Um, <laughs> the unbearable weight of massive mediocrity, the Ben Waterworth story. <laughs> the unbearable weight of massive shit, the Ben Waterworth story. Because, um, yeah, he has that line in the movie, doesn't he, where he basically says like, you know, oh, if I was just working a regular job and I worked all the time, people would say like, good on you. But if I like make, you know, 50 films a year, people would say like, oh, you're overexposed. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. So why is it any different? Like, I kind of like that line. Um, the director of this movie, like so limited has he been involved in anything, Tom Gormican, he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Um, <laughs> you, you look him up on IMDb. This is only the second thing he's ever directed. Um, he directed, uh, I don't know if this is a film or a short film. It's called That Awkward Moment. Looks like it's a film. Um, so from 2014, had Zac Efron in it, Michael B. Jordan, Miles Teller. Oh, the esteemed Imogen Poots. Oh, there she is. Um, so that's all that he has directed before this. And even outside of directing, um, he wrote that awkward moment. He was a creator of the TV show Ghosted. Don't know if I've heard of that. Um, mm, and a producer I- on the same show. And he was also a co-producer of coming soon to Bad Movie Month, Movie 43, uh, a movie which is often regarded as one of the worst movies of all time, which I don't mind. Um, he deserves a Wikipedia page for that filmography. He does, like, I mean, seriously, like he does not have a Wikipedia page. So, But, yeah, I kind of like that idea that he's just obsessed with him and that he makes that film. So, like, wh- where's our, like, Brendan Fraser movie like this? Where, when can we do our Tobey <laughs> Maguire? Like, can we contact, like, Brendan Fraser? Like, hey, we're obsessed with you. We want you to play yourself in a movie. Um, yeah. Billy Magnuson coming soon to the James Bond spinoff. Um, <laughs> but I actually read that about Nicolas Cage. I don't know um, if it was something when I was looking at face-off stuff in the last few years, but there was some guy or something had, like, tracked him down. I don't know if it was for a podcast or something, but they were basically like, this is like the only interview that Nicolas Cage has given in so many years. Like he just doesn't do interviews anymore, even though he does all those movies. It's kind of like Bruce Willis. Like, I mean, mm. you know, sad for Bruce Willis now. He's obviously retired from acting. He's got whatever that condition is. So like, it's kind of like how they kept doing all the director video movies. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel Nicolas Cage has never been backwards in coming forwards. And he's always like said in the few interviews he's done, he's like, like, yeah, like I'm doing this for money. Like I need the money. Like what's wrong yeah. with that? So um, it kind of like... I like it how he does poke fun at himself in this uh, at certain points. But I think the thing that I didn't like about this film is that it kind of turned into generic, oh, he's a he's a terrible dad. He's, you know, a terrible mm. ex-husband. And like, oh, it just... And like, that's not what I was expecting. That's kind of like the Space Jam 2 argument. It's kind of like you mm-hmm. added this side of the story which didn't need to be there. Like, I mean, this is a freaking movie about Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage. That's all I want to see. It's like Space Jam 2. It's freaking LeBron James playing basketball with the Looney Tunes. <laughs> I don't need to see, like, oh, LeBron James is a bad dad. He's got to get his son back. Now, I'd, like, I don't need to see. Nicolas Cage is a bad dad. He needs to get his daughter back. Like, I don't need to see that. Like, just give me Nicolas well, Cage being Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I agree. It is such a cliche in movies uh, to have that. But at the same time, what I did like about how they handled it is it didn't come down to, you know, he's an absentee father or anything like that. If anything, it's that he, he's a father who who's overexposing himself to his children. Not not in that way. Not in that way. Not, wow. Uh, 
I know I know Ben's got some issues, but, uh, but that's, Nicholas that's Cage coming not through so much. the unbearable weight of massive talent too. The Ben Waterworth, <laughs> so I'm writing that down, yeah. exposing himself to children. We're making our okay. script. Yes, <laughs> scripts half done. We're living. And I this can movie get away with right it because it's fiction. There's no restraining <laughs> right. orders needed in yeah, fiction. It's <clears throat> fiction. Uh, fiction. <laughs> I'm filming a movie. <laughs> But uh, but it's the fact that he's like he's pretentious, you know. Oh, I love all these things, so you gotta love them. Uh, so I, I think they definitely could have made it worse. Although, agree, it's a cliche. Um, I don't know if you were aware of it, but the actress, the actress that plays his daughter, uh, is uh, the the real life daughter of Kate Beckinsale, Kate Beckinsale and Michael Sheen. Yeah, looked her up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's so funny watching her because I asked Jamie, I'm like, what do you think? I don't think she's acting before. It's like, oh, she was pretty good. I'm like, you know, it's weird though. It's like you look at her from one direction you're like that's Kate Beckinsale's daughter and then you look from another direction like that's Michael Sheen and drag (laughs) (laughs) you can literally see both parents depending on how you're looking at her sometimes it's distracting how many Sheens are there in Hollywood is this like the Bulbans is like too many of them you just you you lose track of them I I think, thankfully, Michael Sheen uh, doesn't have to claim the same lineage as Charlie. (laughs) But, I mean, he could claim Emilio if that was the case. I was going to say, I mean, Charlie's the only bad one in that family, Colin. I mean, you've got Emilio (laughs) and and Martin. Like, come on. That's a steam family. I'm sure there's a second cousin somewhere who exposed himself to children. Wait, are you trying to say that Charlie Sheen and Martin Sheen are related? Is that like that Kiefer and well, Donald Sullivan? Are they there related no too? Way, no, there's no way. I've never heard no. anything like that before. <laughs> well, it's, it's like that married couple, uh, Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal. Like, they're fantastic. <laughs> yeah. um, stealing an Oscars joke, everyone. <laughs> Remember that one joke from the Oscars <laughs> that actually was funny, that didn't involve slapping people? Um, I also, another issue I had with this movie, I feel like getting the bad stuff out of the way, is that this is definitely one of those movies where you see the trailer, you kind of see all the good stuff. Like, yeah. and like, not to say there isn't good stuff outside of it, but pretty much everything that is funny in the best parts of this movie are in the trailer. So it's kind of like that ruins it a little bit. But um, I mean, it's just it it's 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 fascinating that they kind of like like you were saying that with Nicolas Cage, he hasn't really done a movie like this in a long time. But I, I mean, he's great in it. But like, can we just point out Pedro Pascal again? Like, I mean. Oh. I know that, like, you weren't massive on Wonder Woman 84 and I enjoyed it, but I think you agreed with me that Wonder Woman 84, the best thing about that was Pedro Pascal. Mm -hmm. And obviously The Mandalorian, he's fucking fantastic. I've never watched Game of Thrones, so I've never seen him in anything outside of those. Narcos? um, Is that his other one, Narcos, right? Sure. Um, (laughs) But, like, this is a man who's, I've seen him three things, and he's perfect in three things. Like, what a man. Like, I just, I love him. And he kind of steals the show from Nicolas Cage in this movie. Like, it's kind of interesting to see that. And then I read a review where it was kind of like, oh, Pedro Pascal is known for his serious acting, and this is, you know, he's showing his chops at comedy. And, like, well, yeah, he's great at it. Like, it's kind of like, I guess, maybe the Chris Hemsworth argument where, I mean, difference is Pedro Pascal is great at drama. Not that Chris Hemsworth is terrible at drama, but he should stick to comedy. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, Pedro Pascal, once again, steals a movie. He's fantastic. And, um, I want to see the unbearable weight of massive talent three with Pedro Pascal. <laughs> I, I'm just glad that I Googled it and Pedro Pascal wasn't Narcos. Cause if I just labeled the one show about Hispanics <laughs> and Pedro Pascal was the guy, I, I totally would have like Maggie Q. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but like, you're hundred percent right. I mean, there were, you think in a movie like this, especially for us who are big appreciators of Nicolas Cage, that you're just any scene that doesn't have him, you're like, come on, just get back to Nick Cage. But when Pedro Pascal's on screen, like you don't care that there's Nicolas Cage there. And that's no knock against Nick Cage. It's just Pedro Pascal is that good. And he is so funny in this movie. It's almost a little bit disappointing when you get to the final act. And up until there, for two thirds of this movie, this is a two man movie. 
I mean, the story is obviously about Nicolas Cage. I mean, but the plot really is about Pedro Pascal. So when you get to the final act and it's just sort of Nicolas Cage, you know, being Nicolas Cage or being a movie version of Nicolas Cage uh, and Pedro Pascal kind of gets pushed to the sidelines, you're almost a little bit disappointed. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's sort of one thing I'll say that's also very interesting about this movie is the editing in terms of like it's it's interesting how there are certain scenes that play out. So like there's the bit where Nicolas Cage is like on the phone to the CIA people and then all of a sudden like he's just in the party and you kind of think like is this a flashback? Mm. Is this a flash forward? And the way they kind of cut to it. Um, and the bit I'm talking about with Demi Moore, I mean, it's not really, I mean, I feel you, the spoilers in this movie aren't going to be like, oh, Ben, you spoiled that movie. I'm not going to go see it now. But like there's sort of a moment at the end which kind of, interlaces with them making a movie which turns into a movie and then you see that like his wife and daughter turn into different people um and so his wife is then like in the the bit where she's a different person it's kind of like a blink and you miss an editing moment um it's like it's not super obvious um it's Demi Moore and like that's as soon as like, oh, it, like okay that's it's I was confused because I'm watching going like okay why did his wife just look into somebody who looks like Demi Moore and I'm going like is that Demi Moore I'm like, no, that's not Demi Moore. And then I've looked at the credits. It is Demi Moore. So, um, <laughs> well, good to I, see I, I she's know. back. <laughs> she's she's back. They they really they really just loaded this movie with all the people that uh, hey remember back when they were a thing. Uh, but yeah, I know that GI Jane have... too is coming soon. Apparently, <laughs> exactly. So. <laughs> now that Jada Pinkett Smith has pulled out. Um, so. But but I know that uh, there's stories that they had all these celebrity cameos. Like this movie was supposed to be loaded with celebrity cameos. Then because of COVID, they had to have only a couple in there. I don't know if I, I think there might have been another one that I read about. But uh, but yeah, it's sad that it's only her. I, it's sad that I actually missed that. You know, I, I can't believe I didn't recognize. I mean, she is she very recognizable? Because I feel like you would have noticed. Hey, that's suddenly Demi Moore. It's like the um. I mean, we 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 covered Get Shorty, and there's a moment in Get Shorty where Dennis Farina becomes. Harvey Keitel, I think. And you're like, mm. well, that's obviously Harvey Keitel, but this must have been a lot more subtle than that. It's like, I don't want to sound disrespectful to Demi Moore, but I feel like she's that type of person who has gotten like a certain amount of work done to retain the way mm. she looked like in the early 90s that like you still know what, like like when the big thing around Charlie's Angels Full Throttle was like, oh, the return of Demi Moore, you know, and like, well, mm-hmm. she's gone for like six years. Like, really? Yeah. Like, I mean, is Demi Moore gone? Whereas now it's been like, 20 years since like Charlie's Angels full throttle. So like, she just kind of got that look about her where she still almost looks the same as she did 30 years ago. Even though if you look closely, there's a bit of work done, but um, it's yeah. Like, I mean, I recognize it like straight away. Demi Moore. Um, But like, that's one thing that I was thinking of in this movie that you were going to get cameras. I was honestly expecting like a John Travolta cameo. Like that would be hilarious, Mm -hmm. you know, like things like that. And it's like, um, Again, to tie this into the TV show episodes, like that was kind of a running joke about like Friends, like with Matt LeBlanc, and there was a whole episode where he was like trying to get somebody from the cast of Friends to join him on his this TV show he's making. He ends up getting Gunther, and then so you're kind of always thinking like, oh, are they ever going to have like a cameo? And eventually, David Schwimmer appears in an episode, so it's kind of like you know you were always expecting it was going to happen, and it did. So I was expecting in this that you were going to get like Nicholas, uh, John Travolta, or like Meg Ryan, or you, mm-hmm. you know, like well, Sean Connery's dead, but like um, <laughs> like well. Some- Somebody. The perfect thing you could have done. I mean, Con Air was Nicolas Cage and John Malkovich. The other mm. most famous movie about somebody playing themselves being John Malkovich. Yeah. Imagine Nicolas Cage calling him up. <laughs> you know, some guy wants me to play himself for a weekend at his house and John Malkovich. Do it. It was the best thing I ever did for my career. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's like um, 
like those sort of things like are funny because like it's like you think about like Deadpool two like what's the, yeah. the funniest part of the whole Deadpool two is in the credits when you've got Ryan Reynolds going like my career is made like and you see like the script for Green Lantern and then you see him shooting himself so like I mean you know things like that like that are kind of meta and like funny which you know spoiler alert there's not really anything in that like the moments like when he's referencing his movies is funny like obviously like. You know, again, spoiler alert, like, fuck it, not really spoilers, like, it's just a line in the movie, like, when he first meets Pedro Pascal, I was like, what is, what's your three favourite movies? Like, number one, Face Off, well, obviously, that's a masterpiece, <laughs> like, I mean, like, like, things like that are funny, and, like, when you keep, what's the one they, like, reference when he says something about Captain Mandalorian's... Captain Corelli's Mandolin? Yeah, that one, yeah. And, and what is the schedule, like, yeah, so underappreciated, or something like, wasn't that, like, ripped into as, like, a terrible movie? Yeah, and it is a terrible movie. But yeah, Nicolas Cage is like, <laughs> I completely agree with you. <laughs> yeah, like just things like that, which is just kind of funny the way they, you know, reference that. But um, I wish I mean, that they had, of- you talked about like the stuff that's all in the trailer. I wish they hadn't spoiled the, the Nicolas Cage tribute room because there's that yeah. part in that everybody's seen in the trailer with Face Off. And like, I knew that was is- happening when they dramatic moment yeah. in the movie. You think like, oh, what's going to happen? I'm, th- I'm thinking like, this is totally the tribute room right now. Yeah, exactly. And, and like that, that's one of those things where it's like, oh, I wish they hadn't spoiled the trailer. But also you want to sell this to Nicolas Cage fans where it's like he's not only playing himself, but he's playing uh, you know, a fictional version of himself where face off still existed. You know, but but like you, you lose a lot of what would have been probably one of the best scenes in the movie, although that sequence still does have some other things like especially one Con Air reference that I think people would mm. be very pleased at in that tribute scene. Uh, yeah. And then the other one being like the the leaving Las Vegas shot where he sinks to the bottom of the pool, which, you know, had I not seen that in the trailer, I probably been like, oh, that's the leaving Las Vegas shot. But now it's sort of like, oh, yeah, you know exactly where this is going. And the other one, too, was a whole Croods 2 debate. Like, I just think, like, yeah. they, they ruined that in the trick. Because that's funny. Like, like why, why the fuck would I see Croods 2? I'm like, I'm, I'm a 40-year-old like, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, like, but again, it's ruined in the trailer. Like, I mean, it's kind of like, it's, and I get it. you got to sell the movie. I understand it. But, like. I don't know. It's. I mean, that's a that's an episode. Maybe that's a Patreon exclusive episode that talk about <laughs> trailers ruining movies. Um, I mean, outside of Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal, I mean, yeah. I mean, who else is really? I mean, Neil Patrick Harris is not in it as much as I thought he would be. But good for you, Neil Patrick Harris, for being Neil Patrick Harris, and not like you were in the <laughs> Matrix. I mean, you weren't terrible in the Matrix, but it's kind of like eh, you know whatever. But like yeah. you know, I mean, he was just Neil Patrick Harris, and who doesn't like Neil Patrick Harris? So. Uh, well, Colin doesn't because he doesn't like gay people. But um, it's- <laughs> I love Neil Patrick Harris. I grew up watching Doogie Howser before he was gay. That's why I love him, right? <laughs> before he was gay. <laughs> he was not gay at all when he was younger. Uh, he decided to be gay, didn't is he, it, is it is it like the best thing about Neil Patrick Harris, though, that like it, one of the most famous gay men in Hollywood is most well-known for playing one of the most heterosexual men in Hollywood history yeah. and uh, How Much Your Mother? Well, that, that is one of those things where it's like, I didn't know he was gay until like halfway through. And you're like, what, Barney freaking Stinson is gay? Like, wow. Yeah. Okay, good for him. But I mean, in retrospect, cancel culture. Like, can only gay people play gay people? Like, straight people oh, play straight? Probably. Come on. You know, yeah, it's gotta, they got to take that back. But um, I mean, the 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 fictional ex-wife, uh, Sharon Horgan, I don't really, she's Irish, I'm guessing. I don't really know her from anything. Um, yeah, if it, wait a second. That's what that accent was? Yeah, what did you think it pretty, was? Like pretty, New Jersey? Pretty hard to pinpoint. <laughs> and Donald and Kiefer are related. You're telling me this? Yeah, no, they are, I think. Wow, um, I'm so, so Sharon, Sharon Horgan's from Divorce, that TV show, wasn't that? The... <laughs> Not from a TV show, just she she was divorced. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't wasn't that the Sarah Jessica Parker um Thomas Hayden Church TV show? Was that that one? Oh yeah, that might have been, yeah. I mean, yeah. I skipped it um, for obvious reasons. Yeah, well, I mean, most people did. Uh, <laughs> 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 Even Sarah Jessica Parker skipped that one. 
Was I in that? Was I? Um, yeah, I'm looking at her filmography. I don't really know her from anything. Um, as and yeah, Tiffany Haddish, like she's familiar. She's been on things, yeah. and so is um, oh, she's pretty big. Ike, Ike Baron Holtz. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. off things as well. So, but um, yeah, there's not really much to sing home about the cast of it. Um, it was. It's a two man movie. Everybody else is like you know they have three. Like you even think if you have. Tiffany Haydish and Ike Barinholtz that they're going to have a bigger part of this movie. I mean, like what you see in the trailer plus maybe one scene, that's what they're in this movie. Yeah. I mean, it's a beautifully shot film. Like it's the majority of this yeah. is in what like Mallorca, Spain looks Mallorca. pretty, pretty good. Um, I mean, the action's pretty cool. Like it's, it's an interesting mm-hmm. type of action the way they sort of do it because like, again, it sort of intersects with this sort of, it's, it's almost like Bowfinger in a way where it kind of intersects with them making a mm-hmm. movie, which it's, which, I mean, that's the stuff I actually really like. There's like a whole speech pattern there when they're talking about like, oh, movies these days are just franchises and Marvel movies. Like, when are we just going to get a good character? Like, it, that's when it got like meta. And it was kind yeah. of like talking about like, when are we just going to have like two characters and you just get to know them or like a buddy cop like sort of thing. Like, that's the type of stuff that I really liked when it was sort of yeah. commenting well, yeah. on the film you were watching. Yeah, like, because they're basically trying to come up with the ultimate movie for Nicolas Cage to star in, and then suddenly he's yeah. like, you know, I, I think there's a kidnapping in the story, and it's like, yeah. I don't think that works in the type of movie we're going for. <laughs> yeah, because, like, it's and but like the, the difference is it's, like, it's clever, but then sometimes it just gets, and it's going back to that weird editing, because you've kind of got this plot about a girl who's kidnapped, which is part of the plot, and then they sort of bring his family into it, but, like, the mm-hmm. thing that I feel convoluted with it was because like, there was this whole like political plot which kind of you get lost and you forget about. And then it's even like the payoff of this joke for this girl like who gets kidnapped is at the beginning she's like watching, what, Conair with a boyfriend. Yeah. And then basically, you know, she's like, oh, Nicolas Cage, he's so perfect. And then like later on it's like, oh, reveal, haha, Nicolas Cage. Like, and it's funny like when it's sort of when she sort of says it. But then it's just, I don't know, it's, it's odd. It's kind of just like the way they sort of do it. But um, yeah, I don't... Really know what else there is really to add to this movie. I mean, it's just like it's, it's it's fine. Like, it's fun. It's fun. It's, it's got its moments. You know, it's Nick. It's a return. It is still a return to form for Nicolas Cage. I think that's what I am most appreciative of is that off this movie, people are going to learn to, to appreciate Cage again. I mean, we're seeing now without people having movies made about their lives. Everybody's in love with Brendan Fraser again. You know, um, I'm, people are starting to fall in love with Hayden Christensen now. And we haven't even yeah. seen Obi-Wan. You know, make Hayden Christensen the unbearable weight of Max. He never went out. anywhere. <laughs> Just like uh, I say but, in this movie, not that he went anywhere. No, I mean, Hayden Christensen. <laughs> Everybody's seen his recent films, right? That, man, but, that man's just been, sta- you know, sitting in a cupboard staying beautiful. That's all he's been exactly, doing, feathering yeah. his hair. <laughs> But but the fact that we have a movie that really um, appreciates what was good and bad about Nicolas Cage and embraces it without going too over the top, because that's the other thing I was afraid of, is that this would go so over the top that he would be playing a parody of himself. And yeah. the fact is, he's he's playing in certain areas a parody of himself. But another thing just from the Jimmy Kimmel interview is they talk about all these eccentric things that he's done over the years, like buying a two-headed snake and buying a bat cave and stuff like that. And like Nicolas Cage kind of blows it off. Like those stories were very exaggerated. The cave I bought did not have bats in it. And the two-headed snake I gave away after a couple of months because it was too hard to feed. <laughs> like it's like Nicolas Cage himself isn't even pretentious enough to be aware how weird he is, you know? And this movie could have gone weird, very, very over-the-top Nicolas Cage. And instead he's he's kind of just, you know, like you said, he's Frank. He's he's Frank Nick Cage. Which I like. I like the bits when, because again, it, 
it's never explained why, and it's never really given in much outside of just a few little scenes. Is when you've kind of got Nicolas Cage talking to like a '90s version or an '80s version yeah. of Nicolas Cage, wild at heart, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of just like it sort of it just happens, and then all of a sudden, every now and then, he comes in, and it's like, okay, where's, where's this coming from? Um, and like the little moments you talk about, like when Nicolas Cage was saying that, obviously in interviews, like I like it when Pedro Pascal's character is like. I read that you did all your stunts in Gone in 60 Seconds. And he's like, yeah. yes, true. And what was the one where he's like, I, uh, National Treasure, I read that you had a stunt double. And he's like, that's a lie. I did them all myself or whatever it was. Yes. <laughs> you did all your own, because you did all your own running in National Treasure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just like little things like that, which are just like, which are funny. And the, the whole bit when they're on LSD, that that's funny. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll give it that. The so, wall climbing sequence. Yeah, amazing. Also, the, yeah. uh, the, the I, it's, pretty generic and you know uh formulaic but the the cia nicholas cage sequence to so the the spy mm. stuff that just goes terribly wrong like i love whenever they have some of these really ridiculous sequences that just seem to go on and on and on and on the jokes don't get old somehow you know <laughs> and maybe like that's action. just nicholas cage yeah and he just jumps up um <laughs> And like the, the op- so the opening scene that that was a cameo wasn't it that's uh david gordon green um, mm-hmm. I thought that was like David Lynch or somebody like that. Like when he was like talking, like who is this guy? It's obviously some Hollywood screenwriter that you know is playing himself. Um, but yeah, one thing that I wanted to quickly ask you, like, because I know you kind of saw the preview of this, so I don't like. I'm assuming they show trailers behind before, like you know. And I've been to like radio oh, pre screenings, and sometimes they don't actually show trailers; they just go straight into the movies. But when they the trailers for this one, it was like I think they showed like Doctor Strange, um, and then I think they showed that bullet train Brad Pitt one or whatever mm. it is. But then like every single trailer after it was like a horror movie. And like my <laughs> friend who I went with Casey, she's like, like, like going like, what the fuck is going on? Like every single movie was like some like horror movie. I'm going watching these trailers going, Oh God, I'm, even I wouldn't watch that. Like I, I like the one that was like the new Jordan Peele one. It's just called Nope. Um, oh, and then I'm so pumped for that movie. <laughs> nope. And then there's like some, some British like horror movie where it's just called men or, or man or men or something <laughs> like that. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's sexist. Come on. Um, and then there was some other, like, I don't know, look like a poltergeist movie or something or an exorcist movie. Like, like wh- why are they just showing us all the <laughs> horror movies before the Nicholas K? Like, I don't know if you got any of those. No, like, like we got the advanced screening for this. So a couple of days before it came out and. I mean, we told this story on another episode. If you really want to hear the full hilarious story about the, the sneak preview, yeah, pay us, Patreon. <laughs> but uh, just to kind of sum it up, I mean, it was treated like it was the most top secret film ever, which I'd never seen at any advanced screening ever. Um, like they, they basically had people watching you the entire time. And uh, the guy even, he kind of made it as a joke, but he even said something along the lines of like, uh, if you love this movie, tell everybody, you know, spread on social media. If you don't love this movie, keep it to yourself, you know? And then when you see the people just watching the theater, like, are they really worried that somebody's going to say something negative? So, I mean, Hey, maybe I hated this movie more than I thought. I'm just afraid. I'm afraid of like a, the, the, the Nicolas Cage security people who are going to track me down. They've literally got like a, like guns pointed and you, they'd like see someone in like row F seat G like rolling their eyes. Going, Ugh, and then he's got like the movie, like the movie. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Pluto Nash. Just, just, just like it. Just like the movie. Um, yeah, I mean, just quickly, I guess um, it's not really doing massive money though, it seems. Um, only opened up to well, like a... $7.2 million opening weekend at the time of recording this. So that's not massive for a $30 million movie. So I, I would go as far as to say that it's probably what's expected right now. Cause um, that's been one of the big stories, especially leading into the Oscars is how many non 
you know, blockbuster animated movies have made money and the answer is like zero. Like West Side Story was a massive, almost $100 million movie with so much hype behind it. And Steven Spielberg and that movie opened with like $10 million. So that's kind of just the state of the box office right now. Uh, and also I would assume, you know, it's an R rated movie, which is going to make it a little bit harder. Uh, I think the movie will find an audience though. Cause I mean, $7 million nowadays, uh, you know, if you're not a Marvel movie or a star Wars movie or DC or whatever, it, it, you're going to struggle regardless. When was the last time Nicolas Cage opened with $7 million? It's probably been a while. I don't think any of his last 10 movies have made $7 million combined. Have they? Like, I mean, I don't yeah. know how, you know, it's actually funny. So like when we got our tickets, um, the, the guy, like the Usher guy was sort of like, oh yeah, cinema, like two. So like, okay. So we like go and walk in the door and like the lights are off and like everyone's seated. And like, we're looking yeah. at the screen. I'm like going, this is the bad guys. <laughs> like, I mean, that's not Nicolas Cage. It's an animated spider. Um, so we was just kind of like, okay. So then we found it and then our cinema was actually packed. Like it was actually really full. So, um, got a lot of reaction, a lot of people laughing. So, you know, New York cinema audiences like that Nicolas Cage movie, it seems. So, <laughs> Um, yeah, what are you going to do with this, Colleen? You know, I would say if if you're just looking at this movie and you don't like Nicolas Cage, I, I would say even if you if you hate Nicolas Cage, you're probably going to love it more than if you're just indifferent. People who are indifferent on Nicolas Cage, I mean, it's a rent. It's, it's, it's an okay movie. But just for the appreciation of what they do with him and all those little subtle reps and him just getting to act over the top again in something that, that's actually funny and that has a decent enough plot. I mean, I would go as far as say I would buy it because I'm like, I'm curious to watch this movie again. Um, but, you know, it, it would be kind of a lower buy because without Nicolas Cage in this movie, even with Pedro Pascal and somebody else, Pedro Pascal and Ryan Phillippe, you know, this <laughs> is a rent- rentable movie. <laughs> The unbearable weight of massive talent was going to try and cast Ryan Philippe, but he said if no. Is, if Cage had said no, they were going to Philippe next. Jeez, <laughs> that would have been a great movie to watch. What was the next one going to be? Devin Sawyer? Casper, um, <laughs> what's his face from um, Starship Troopers? Yeah. He was next in line. Scott Bairstow. Uh, like that is going down, going uh, down Demi the line. Moore. I was going to say, Demi Moore. Yeah, she was like, you know, I'm. I want to hold out for the lead, but at this point, I just want to make some money. Give me the cameo. <laughs> Isn't like Julia Roberts in some new movie, which is like not being as like Julia Roberts and Sean Penn. I'm like, that would have been big in 2002. Like now, oh. it's like it's, I don't even think got a release. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, one movie that they showed the trailer for that I say that I'm really looking forward to because it looks amazing. Elvis. That's really really good. I Did haven't seen, seen that yet. Oh, no. look at the trailer. That looks really good. Um, and Top Gun, I'm not, again, I just, that looks good on the big screen. That's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. Like, that's going to look good. Um, I'm going to high rent it. Like, it's, it's, I don't know. I just didn't walk out feeling wowed. And I just kind of felt like, like, oh, I felt they could have gone a little bit more Nicolas Cage. But, I mean, it's still enjoyable. I'd probably watch this again. But I'm not going to rush out of my way to watch it. So, yeah, it's a high rent. I'm not going to quite buy this one. So, that'll that'll do, Donkey. You know, that'll, it should have been Ryan Felipe. That'll do Cage. Yeah, that, that'll do, Cage. That'll do. Um, movie reviews coming up, I guess, Doctor Strange. I'm oh, assuming yeah. you're going to go see that. So that's about, what, a week, two weeks away? Um, uh, I so, think it's, yeah, just about a week and a half from when this is released. Yeah, so that's kind of the next big one. Um, and then we're getting closer. To, is Jurassic World June or July? I think it's June. So we're, we're still about a month and a half from that. But we'll, we'll be doing... Guess. I guess Fallen Kingdom before that comes out and maybe similar to Spider-Man kind of a recap of our other movies. 
Yeah, I'm gonna give you that homework. You can you can re-listen to those because I already did oh, re-listen to those not long ago. I, so. I, I did it for Spider Man. Already already started with Jurassic Park. Good, good. You can yeah. That's 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 my Colin. Uh, hashtag that's my Colin. <laughs> um, but outside of that, 24, uh, Breaking Bad, Lost, which is back, but it will be stopping again soon. Thanks, Noah. Um, but like seriously, we we recorded our first ever Patreon exclusive episode, so uh, we've mm-hmm. got a Patreon now. So um, by all means, if you want to hear it. Um, then then get to it. If your name's not Chris, uh, you can listen to it as well. Um, but if you are Chris, that episode's available for you. Enjoy it. But um, yeah, it's, it was a bit of fun that Colin and I just did our first ever Patreon episode, which all the stuff that we don't say on these public episodes, paid content, people. It's expensive. Yeah. It's, it's Champagne Oz Network. That's what it is. <laughs> it's so different and so completely say, it's, separate. It's maybe RC Cola <laughs> Oz Network, but still a step up. <laughs> Well, I would say this is RC Cola and that's, you know, maybe, you know, Pepsi Blue. Um, it's, it's not quite Coke, uh, you know, like it's not that good. It's, 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 it's not New Coke. It's, it's Pepsi, what, what, purple Pepsi or blue, Crystal whatever you said it Pepsi was. Or Crystal Pepsi Crystal Pepsi, you, yes. Do you remember Pepsi Blue? I remember that like no, the but I remember 2000s. The- that was yum. I remember the Crystal Pepsi and liking it more than everybody else. Like, this is gross. I'm like, I don't mind it. It's all right. I think I was too young for Crystal Pepsi, but I definitely remember this Pepsi Blue phase. That, I don't know, it lasts like six months, and I don't like Pepsi. That, like, that's the most offensive thing you can say to me at a restaurant. Like, oh, can I have a Coke? Is Pepsi okay? No, it's not. We um, we agree on something. I prefer Coke over Pepsi. I mean, I really don't yeah. drink either, but I will take Coke over Pepsi any I, day of the week. I don't drink it like much since I've been off keto, but like it's it's a weird thing. So hashtag bring back Billy. Happy birthday, Billy Garcia. It was his birthday the <laughs> other day. So I went to a Yankees game with Billy and then so we've gone to like get a – actually, it was quite cold. We went to get a hot chocolate, but they weren't serving hot chocolates at Yankee Stadium that day. So we had to get a hot dog and we got a Pepsi. And I'm sort of like, oh, they don't have Coke. And Billy's like, oh, no one in New York drinks Coke. I'm like, you're not in Atlanta. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Which is like Madison Square Garden. They've got the Pepsi concourse. There's no Coke. But I went to City Field, home of the Mets, to watch a soccer game because that's what I would watch, a, you know, Mets. And they had Coke. So go go Mets. I'm going for Go, go Mets. Over the Yankees. Go Mets. They, they, they serve Coke. Was the Yankees serve Pepsi? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the Mets train. Come on, the Mets. Mighty Mets. <laughs> Um, but stay tuned for all that. That's great. And listen to our award-winning podcast, Off the Podium, and 007's okay as well. And Eurovision, I think, is going to be coming soon because Eurovision is happening in a few weeks. So I'm going to message Jared and see if he's up for it, which of course he is because he's Eurovision. Um, my name is Ben and Action. <laughs> and my name is the unbearable weight of massive Colin. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.